Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and also uh, you probably saw the announcement. Paul and I are now uh, officially with the fan-sided and fin fanatic network here. So you're going to see be seeing a lot more exclusive content as we go on. But you know, this part of it, we want to make sure that we keep it where it is. We, we're we not going to change this. Uh, we're, we still plan on doing this every Saturday morning here at this time and having one to three shows a week, e- even here in the offseason. So we're not taking a break either. And what we're doing here today is talking about the, the other side of the football here. We're taking a look here at the Miami Dolphins defense. Um, so the major thing here is – it's remarkable to take a look at the Dolphins improvement, Paul, from 2019 to 2020. You've got, so in 2019, there were 32nd points allowed. 2020, they were sixth. They, and then uh, you take a look at quarterback rating of opposing quarterbacks. They go from 29th to sixth. Completion percentage, they go from 16th to seventh. Third down defense, 24th to first um, from, from 2019 to 2020. Sacks, 32 to 10. They approved 22 spots there. Turnovers, 27th to first. So dramatic improvement last year from the Dolphins' defense in 2020. And they're really returning all of the same people. They are. And I think they're going to enrich that a little bit and add to it, which I'm excited to see what they do there. Um, It's, uh, you know, it's very much a situation where there's a couple of holes the Dolphins can fill to get even better, and I think as some of these players grow and change into their roles, I think it's going to get even better than than it was before. Yeah, that that's for sure. And they've they've got some resources to do that. Probably more in the draft than uh, in free agency. But yeah, I mean, taking a look at the depth chart here uh, on the edge, we're going to have Emmanuel Ogba, Shaq Lawson, and Andrew Van Ginkle. That's not going to change. Defensive tackle still under contract: Raekwon Davis, Christian Wilkins. Zach Sealer at linebacker. Uh, you can expect Jerome Baker and Kyle Van Noy to be taking up the snaps there at cornerback, Xavier Howard, uh, Byron Jones, and at safety, Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe. So taking a look here though, you know, we, you talked about there might be some holes to fill. What would you say is the top need of this defense that could help put them over the top? Linebacker, uh, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Micah Parsons guy. I love guys like Chaz Surratt and a few others we're going to talk about as well. But we need a third linebacker with some coverage skills but the ability to rush. And if, you know, we, we were playing the year with Landon Roberts, who had some very big key plays, but for every big key play he had, if you go back and watch, he had three critical misses. Uh, we mm-hmm. put, you know, Kamal Grugier Hill, who was okay. And then we finished the year with Calvin Munson at linebacker. Uh, and, and that was such a huge gaping hole in that Buffalo game that Buffalo just annihilated where he was. Yeah, you bet. And, you know, it's, it's not so much that the Dolphins, oh, you know, yeah, I mean, the third linebacker is certainly a big need for the Dolphins. Not only is a Landon Roberts a free agent, but he also had a season-ending injury in week 16 against the Raiders. So he may not even be available for the start of the year if the Dolphins re-signed him. And I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I thought that I – th- I thought you put it perfectly for every play that he made, he missed three. Um, you know, he was great on fourth and one, but other than that, I, I thought there was a big problem. My bigger issue at linebacker isn't necessarily having a third guy because the Dolphins play with two linebackers so often. It's more so that – you know, if we fast forward a year, Jerome Baker is going to be a free agent and Kyle Van Noy is going to be 32 years old. 
So you've got two guys there in Baker and Van Noy that rarely leave the field. And, and now you're having to possibly replace one of them, you know, looking forward to 2022. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And, and that's where I like some of the guys that you can do multiple things with at, at linebacker, because I do think that they could, they could serve a role there. And, and as much as I like Van Noy, and I really do, his physical limitations at some point will show themselves in passing downs at times. I mean, if they can get a better linebacker for the nickel and have Van Noy be a little more situational, Van Noy is going to be that much better of a player. And and real quick before we move on, I just want to apologize to our listeners. It seems like YouTube's having some issues with the chat this morning, so I know a few of you may not be able to get in and and – you know, that's, that's not something that we can control, unfortunately. Okay. Are they, yeah, yeah. I'm saying actually logging into the chat here and, uh, yeah, it says something went wrong and there's a monkey with a hammer. So, uh, nice. Hmm. That doesn't help. Uh, but yeah, going back to what you said about linebacker, that that's you, what you said about Van Noy too, is that's where a Chaz Surratt would make a lot of sense because th- this is a guy who, who has a lot of speed at the linebacker spot. He's a former quarterback. Um, I expect him to t- test out real well athletically. He's not the most physical guy, but for the role that we're looking for, you know, to to have, you know, a, a, someone to team with Jerome Baker that can just drop back and cover a lot of ground, he would certainly make a lot of sense. I think Jabril Cox out of LSU would make a lot of sense too uh, in that role. Um, but as far as needs are concerned, Paul, you you said linebacker is your biggest need. For me, it's 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 Nickelback. And look, I. I think Nick Needham's done an admirable job filling in, but I don't want Nick Needham playing 603 snaps again in 2021. I mean, and that's in a, in a situation too, where um, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, you know, with, with the exception of Byron Jones missing two games, they, um, the secondary was relatively healthy other than that. So I, I don't want to be in a situation where Nick Needham is playing 60% of defensive snaps and he's one injury away from playing a hundred percent of defensive snaps. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I'd rather see in those situations, maybe you bring Brandon Jones in and slide Bobby McCain out to, to nickel um, or you draft somebody like an iffy Melifonwu. Uh, or additionally, there is a guy I've been talking about since last year's draft when I expected him to come out in Richie Grant, who up until a few weeks ago was listed as a fifth rounder, and now everybody has him as a two. Uh, and I would still give up that that spot to go after him. Yeah, that that would make a lot of sense. And a lot of people have been talking about, um, and, you know, Barry Jackson's mentioned this, and um, a few other columnists for the dolphins have as well of, of cutting Bobby McCain. I know that we're strongly against that. And, and the, the reason, the reason for that is not only did he play really well at free safety last year, but he, he's a cerebral player always around the football gets everybody lined up. And it, as far as I'm concerned, if you want to get a Richie grant at free safety, then you can move Bobby McCain to your to your third cornerback spot. Like we talked about, and I would still be willing to pay over $6 million a year for Bobby McCain because he's going to be on the field still over 60% of the time. Yeah, no, I, I there is not an ounce of me, not an ounce that wants to cut Bobby McCain. You know, it, it, it's even if we were to sign Justin Simmons and draft Richie Grant and Ify Melifonwu, I still want Bobby McCain because there's a role. He's a leader for this defense. And end of the day, he was a hell of a lot better player than any of these beat writers give him credit for. They're just jumping on the bandwagon for the folks that saw a couple of plays that Bobby had an issue early last year. Uh, Bobby had a very, very, very good season last year, a lot better than a lot of folks see on paper. Yeah, I'm with you. And yeah, it, I'm in favor of stocking the defensive back cupboard as, as tightly as it can be. Cause you need, I really legitimately think you need, you need nine, 10 defensive backs throughout, throughout NFL season. Um, and you know, if, if you go into that dollar defense where you, where you've got three defensive linemen and a linebacker, 
and set you, you can put seven defensive backs on the field in the same play and the dolphins have done that they typically go with five or six but yeah i mean and also figuring in too is uh, is noah igbenogany who you know we, we really do expect to take a big step up here this year yeah, completely. And, and and one thing, actually, Kat, while we're talking about the secondary, I've got another position that I do want to talk about, but I think we should touch on this just because it's starting to be more and more of a story. Um, I know we both kind of weighed in uh, earlier this offseason, but when we talk about Xavier Howard, uh, right now, I believe he's around $15 million a year. Uh, he's looking for a raise, which is very well-deserved. Um, and, and while I think his his value will never be higher... 80% of X is, to me would be, or 80% of what X did this year to me would be worth the additional three to five million a year potentially that he's probably going to be asking for. And I don't know about you. I, I, I just, if he's asking for more than that, I, I, I'd have to possibly tap out. But he's such a critical cog for this defense. He is. And I mean, we're talking about somebody we feel should have been uh, at least in the top two of defensive player of the year. I, I thought you could top flip one. a coin. Yeah. You, you, you've got him at one. I, I say flip a coin between him and Aaron Donald. I don't TJ Watt getting seven times more uh, MVP votes is, is shocking to me. I TJ Watt's a great player, but I, I to, to get 10 interceptions over a span of 13 games in a league that wants you to fail is incredible. Um, and, and yeah, I, I'll, and I'll tell you what, um, if you want to find a good way to piss off, just uh, to piss off Xavier Howard, go sign Justin Simmons uh, and make Xavier Howard, the third highest paid defensive back in the secondary. That That's where, why I'm out on Justin Simmons. I, I, I think you're, I think you're paying way too much. And then if, if you sign Simmons, cut McCain and you could get in a situation where you are paying a lot for your defensive backs you're starting four, but your fifth, sixth, and seventh guys aren't that good, and they just spread the field and, and ignore Nick Xavier Howard. So I'm getting off track here, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he did hire David Cantor for a reason. Uh, you, when you switch agents, usually there is a reason for that, and uh, it wouldn't surprise well, me if he did. But in today's NFL now, Paul, too, it's hard to hold out, it, you know. So I, I'm not sure really where Xavier goes from here. Well, it, it sounds like as far as the hiring David Cantor goes. It sounds like when X renegotiated his contract a few years ago and got his big extension, um, he had talked to Cantor and two other agents, and two other agents had told him, now is the time to strike. And Cantor told him directly, you know, wait, doing this mid-contract extension is always a bad idea, especially for an ascending player like you. And X went with one of the other agents, X signed the deal, and now X is underpaid. And so he went back to Cantor, who gave him the good advice in the, in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not one of these people that say, uh, you know, oh, you signed your contract. You should honor it. Look, if, if you think you can get more money, I'm, I'm all in favor of a playing player mm-hmm. doing that. I'm all in favor of a team cutting a player if he feels that he's not living up to his contract. But what, what is he now? The fifth, sixth highest paid defensive back? Uh, in, in the NFL, somewhere around that range, I'd have to look that up. But um, th- I mean, it, it really, are you gonna are you gonna cause a fuss to get an extra two or three million? I mean, maybe, maybe so. But here, here, here's my thing with it: it is I think if Miami signs him, they need to do so in a way that's a little bit realistic, where they could potentially even get a little bit of cap savings this year, knowing that the cap is going to rise exponentially over the next couple of years. We're adding probably adding the 17th game this year. Um, there's going to be a, the additional playoff teams. There's going to be just, it's an insane amount of growth projected just from adding an additional game to the cap. So if you kick the can down the road a little bit, you're going to see that cap jump a huge amount next year and the following year, in which case his contract becomes a whole lot more palatable if you structure it the right way. Yeah, there, there's that. And where this it factors in here with the NFL draft is what would be an interesting situation is right now you've got three cornerbacks slated to go in that kind of early to mid first round area. You've got uh, Patrick Sertain, 
uh, Patrick Sertan II from Alabama. You've got Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. You've got J.C. Horn from South Carolina. What would be fascinating is if one of those three cornerbacks fell down to 18. Because if that were the case, I don't think the Dolphins would draft a cornerback. Don't get me wrong. But that could be tempting for them to, to, to get one of those cornerbacks that fell and then maybe trade Xavier Howard. I, I, you know, if, 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 if this starts to spill over to the draft, I mean, and, and we're talking about, about that being a possibility where, where Howard is unhappy or wants to hold out or anything like that, you never know if one of those guys falls to 18. I'm going to puke if we draft the corner in the first round. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, you know, hopefully it won't be on live stream. Just, Right down the front. I, it's, I don't think it'll happen. I, no. I, 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 it, I mean, and and you're talking to you are talking to a guy that literally has three defensive guys on his. I'm drooling over getting these guys in the first two to three rounds. So yeah, it, I it, mean, actually four, four of them. Jesus, oh god. Yeah, I, I, I think they would more likely look at and say, hey, look, we drafted Noah Igbenogany, Igbenogany in the first round, and we knew who he was raw. He's incrementally been improving after a disastrous start to his career. Um, I, I think that would be the backup plan for Howard. So, no, I don't think they will draft a cornerback in the first round. But when we get down into the third or fourth round, um, that's where it gets fascinating for me because I, I see a lot of cornerbacks here who I believe will fall mm-hmm. because they're strictly nickelbacks. Uh, they're, they play in the slot. They're only good in the slot. Um for Ohio State this year, Sean Wade had if he had gone out to a boundary cornerback and had a great season, we might be talking about him as a top 15, top 20 pick. Now he goes out there, he gets roasted by Devontae Smith, does not have a good year as boundary cornerback, but he is a very good slot cornerback. I see that him falling to kind of the third or fourth round because there isn't a teams out there are probably not specifically going to draft a rookie nickelback. You know, unless they think that that they can go one on one on the outside with wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, boy, we're spending a lot of time on on these on these corners, but it, it's you know, let's save the corners because the one other position because I know we're going to talk about corners as we dive through here. Um, the one other position I would say that Miami does need in the draft is an edge defender, somebody that can rush the passer and set the edge. Uh, a guy like maybe Boogie Basham, like I don't know if you've heard his name. Yeah, that you've you've got a lot of uh, defensive ends here that uh, I, I look at that thirty sixth pick and and I see uh, a Boogie Basham or uh, another guy uh, Jason Owe from Penn State. Even though he didn't have a sack this year, this is a he, he's a raw football player. He's got a lot of strength, and I think he he does a lot of the dirty work at the defensive end spot that that's going to be admirable to Brian Flores and to Josh Boyer. So he's somebody I would I would think that would be on the Dolphins' radar too. Um, Jalen Phillips is interesting because at, at defensive end, from a traits perspective, I mean, this this guy might be a top 10 talent, but he was a he went to UCLA in the past. He had concussion issues. He, he actually was thinking about walking away from the game. Uh, but then this past year it, it, for the Miami Hurricanes, he had a great season for them, and it, you look. He looks every bit the part of of what the Dolphins could have to team with Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba. But those those concussion issues scare me. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it. You've heard me already talk enough about you know guys with specific injuries. It, it's concussion issues there are the same thing to me as the as Landon Dickerson's legs. Uh, I, it just takes somebody off my board, unfortunately. Yeah, it's concussion is that's scary stuff. I mean, you're talking about one injury away from him starting to think, okay, maybe maybe this isn't for me. Um, and I wouldn't blame him. I mean, if you you don't have your brain, I mean, there's there's not a lot you can do in life, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, looking at um, the the defensive end spot in Emmanuel Agba is going to be a free agent here, Paul, after 2021. Jack Lawson's going to be after 2022, and I don't see the Dolphins keeping both of them for the long haul. Um, so they need depth there. They also need kind of a backup plan here if if one of those two players goes away in the next two off seasons. Yeah, uh, it's. I apologize. I was uh, responding to something in the chat. Can you repeat the question on that one? Yeah. So Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba, 
Uh, Agba is going to be a free agent here after 2021. Uh, Lawson's going to be after 2022. So there's the Dolphins need kind of a third guy or fourth guy along there if, if you count Andrew Van Ginkle as an edge player. But they also need kind of a backup plan if Agba leaves after 2021 and or Shaq Lawson leaves after 2022. Agreed. And, and one thing I will say is don't discount Jason Strobridge. I know he didn't get a chance to show a lot last year, but uh, he was a very special guy in college as far as his ability to rush the passer and set the edge. It, it's Don't discount him yet. I'm not saying he will turn into something, but there is a possibility. I'm hoping that we do recite Agba. Uh, he's a little more of a priority for me than Lawson, even though I think Lawson uh, did a lot of things that don't pack a stat sheet. Um, but Again, it's I. I hope those guys end up staying here long term. I really do. Uh, you know, Agba is interesting because he had he had what done nine sacks on the year, but he had eight of them in his first nine games. He only had one sack in his final seven games. Um, but I, I still think overall he's a good talent. He's uh, he's twenty seven now. He'll be twenty eight here later in the year. Um, but that also means still will be 29 in the, in the 2022 season. So those skills may start to erode if you sign him to a longer contract. Um, so I start to wonder here on the defensive side of the ball, Paul, and this is, I, I put out a tweet on this um, earlier, earlier this week here is the, the Dolphins to me long-term now that they did re-sign Jason Sanders, congratulations to him. Um, They've got really three big free agents here after the 2021 season. You got Mike Kosicki, you've got Jerome Baker, you've got Emmanuel Ogba. And I think a lot of our, our listeners here are going to be shocked um, at, at what these three guys are going to cost to resign. I've, I made some comparisons here of, of guys that, that signed contracts who were kind of similar in their careers to them. Um, Austin, Coop, uh, Austin Hooper for the, for the Browns, four years, 44 million, 23 million guaranteed. Uh, Shaq Thompson, four years, 54 million. I compare him a lot to where Baker is right now. And then uh, at defensive end, Dante Fowler, three years, 45 million uh, with, with 20, 28 million guaranteed. So if you had a choice between locking down Ogba and locking down Jerome Baker long-term, what would you think? Baker. Okay. Every okay. Time. And, okay. I, I, I thought you would have gone the opposite way on that. That's, that's, that's interesting. Um, I, no. cause I, I agree with you. It's, I mean, ba Baker was one of only a handful of players to get seven plus sacks and a hundred tackles. I mean, he, and he's an ascending player with a rare physical skill set. It's as much as I like Agba, I can find eight or nine sacks a lot easier than I can find that. I'm with you on that. Um, and Jerome Baker played, uh, let's see, he, he played all 16 games. He had 811 snaps. So he played 84% of defensive play. So for argument's sake, he was on the field all three downs. Um, he had 112 tackles. He had seven sacks. He had two forced fumbles. That's a lot of plays. And he's also somebody, too, that runs a 4 five forty, covers a lot of ground. He was drafted to play in a zone-based scheme. And now he's playing in a man scheme and getting better and improving. Yeah, I think, you know, he he's not, uh, you know, he's no Ray Lewis or he's no Patrick Willis, but this is somebody who it's a lot harder to find Jerome Baker. I agree with you. And, and not only that, I, I'd be very interesting to see how he does once he truly has that third linebacker next to him, like we may have alluded to a few times. I mean, right now he's not only covering a lot of ground, you know, you look at that last game, he's trying to cover ground for himself and for Calvin Munson, um, which is, is pretty devastating. Um, and the the improvement of guys like Raekwon in front of him are going to have huge dividends for him because if, if Raekwon Davis and Christian Wilkins are taking up double teams, he's going to be able to use that 4-5 speed to, to do a lot of fun things, especially like when we saw him start blitzing a little bit more towards the end of the year, it got exciting. Look at, look at that play where he chased down Patrick Mahomes and just terrorized him there. Um, you know, and, and listening to him talk about it after the fact and the fact that he knew that when Patrick gets chased the way he was there, he has a tendency to turn his back to downfield. And, and so he was able to surprise him in a way that he wasn't able to set his feet and make a throw. I mean, when I start hearing things like that 
from a guy that seems like a goofy, happy-go-lucky guy, I get excited about the possibilities because the more he studies, the better he's going to be because picking up on something like that tells me you've been watching a lot of film and doing a lot of homework there. You bet. And the only reason Mahomes makes that move is because he doesn't think Jerome Baker can catch him. Mm-hmm. And he did. And it was a 30. It was one of the really one of the defensive plays of the year because yep. it, it it brought the Chiefs back to what I think the five yard line was like, what, a 25 yard back. Um, incredible. Um, and another thing about Baker that's appetizing, too, is is he just turned 24 in December. So this is when he made that play, he's 23 years old and, and he's got three years under his belt. So, yeah, I, I think it's important for for the Dolphins to to get him back because, look, eventually Kyle Van Noy is I mean, he's on borrowed time. He's going to he's going to hopefully play at the same level next year. Maybe you get another year out of him, but he's not going to play at least 37 uh, at, at the linebacker spot. Um, he's more likely to be coaching than he is to be on the field uh, for the Dolphins. So, um yeah, as, as far as that third linebacker is concerned, a, na- a guy I keep going back and forth on is, is Tulsa linebacker Zaven Collins. And this is somebody who is, he is a giant out there. He is six foot four, 260 pounds, uh, has incredible length, and ev- moves very well for his size, too. Um, I go back and forth on him because you've got to run a lot in this defense. And I, I'm conf- I wonder if he has just enough speed with that length to be a real difference maker in this defense, or if he's just a little bit too lumbering for his size. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do like him. I, I think he is a little bit lumbering, like you said, but really there are so many guys in that top five or six and then some sneaky guys later on. Um, tell you what, Kat, do you want to just jump in at linebacker for the, for the position? Since uh, I know we have, we're, we're half hour in and we haven't gotten to it yet. We've been so excited talking about all these other things. Go uh, for it. Any, uh, anything you want to do, homie. All right. Before we do that though, guys, make sure you are liking, make sure you are subscribing. If you're listening out on iTunes or fin fanatic, make sure you guys go out and leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us out out there as well. Um, as far as our linebackers are concerned, I mean, I don't know about you, Cat, but I just looked down the list of free agents, including my 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 old excitement in in Reggie Ragland, and maybe 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 I, I'd think about signing Nick Vigil for depth um, because he is the better of the Vigil brothers. But other than that, I I I, I just stare at the draft, man. It, it's you know, Micah Parsons. Obviously, you guys know how I feel about him. It's uh, I would he's my one A to Pitts being my one B. I don't have one of the top three receivers in my one A one B conversation. Um, big fan of Owusu Kamora. I like Nick Bolton, but I don't think he's a fit for this defense. Uh, Chaz Surratt is an ascending player who may if we miss on Micah Parsons. I've got my sights squarely looking at Chaz Surratt as my second option because I think he's going to bypass some of the guys ahead of him as he develops. Um, and then you got guys like Baron Browning from, from Ohio State that I think are a lot better than where they're at in the draft process right now. Yeah, I, I look at this free agent list at, at linebacker. Two names that really stick out are that I think would be a good fit in this defense are uh, Jayon Brown from the, the Titans. Um, and Kevin Pierre Lewis from the Redskins, for our, excuse me, the Washington football team. Um, and I, I think they're good in coverage and they're active in the middle. I think that they could be better versions of a Landon Roberts. Um, so that, that would make a lot of sense. And, and I don't think a Kevin Pierre Lewis, for example, would cost a whole lot of money either. I think it'd be a couple of million a year. And those are the types of signings I think the, we might be looking for there on the defensive side of the ball. Owusu Koromora is interesting because he's 216 pounds. He is a, he's a different breed. He's a, he is active. He is violent. He, he is all over the place. He can get, he can get out, get up on you real quick. And I think he could legitimately play some nickel pack for you. That that's how, how good he is at flipping his hips. The other side of it too, though, Sometimes he tackles like he's 216 pounds, and I'm not sure if that's going to fly well with Brian Flores. It might not, but I think he's he's a guy I think that hasn't been playing linebacker a huge amount. So it's I think Flores is willing to give him time if he is able to showcase 
the other skills that, that make him special. Yeah. Um, and you, you mentioned Nick Bolton and I'm a Mizzou fan. So I I've seen a lot of this guy. Um, and yeah, I, I, I do think he's a good fit because I think he could be a better version of what a Landon Roberts is doing. I'm just not convinced that he's going to be a great coverage linebacker, uh, especially at six foot, 230 pounds. What's appealing with Zaven Collins is he's four inches taller and he can get into a lot of passing lanes and he blitzes better than Bolton. So um, eh, Bolton, if you start getting down to like late second round, that's where I would prefer to take him as opposed to 18th overall, which is kind of the range where he's going to probably go. Now, as I say, he, he's going to be gone by the time I'd consider it just because uh, of the schematic fit. The only the only thing that gives me pause at the possibility of Miami chasing Bolton is if you look at the Dolphins' history um, at, uh, at – God damn, I'm, I'm blanking on our D coordinator's name for a second. Josh Boyer. Uh, yeah, Boyer. Or Boyer, if you want to get, get crazy with it. Well, you know, he's the Target of, uh, of, of, of coaches. Um, but no, when he was in college, when he first started out, he was, he was at a technical school, and he did not have a lot of big, big players. So he, that's when he figured out how to get creative with some of the smaller guys and put them in position to succeed. So I think there's a little more chance that if they fall in love with Nick Bolton, Miami looks at him and Boyer finds a way to scheme to utilize his, his skill sets. But at the same time, I, I'm not sold on that idea either. Yeah, Bolton plays bigger than his six foot, 230 pound frame would indicate. He's a strong dude. Um, but I'm in this defense, I, I think you have to you have to show you have to physically have the ability to not only cover tight ends. But actually, in, in situations, cover cover receivers and slot guys too. I don't know if Bolton fits that fits that mold as well. Um, you know, Awuso Koromora, I I go back and forth on because, on one hand, I, I don't know if it's a good idea to have Jerome Baker and Awuso Koromora in the same defense because you've got two really small linebackers. But if the point is to be a great coverage team. Now you've got two of the you might have two of the best in the business that can that can do it um, as, as far as how much ground they can cover. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely possible. Um, I, I just I, I don't see it happening. I, I, I think let, let me let me let me ask you this. Would you take a Koromora at 18? I, w- I would, but I, I'd, I'd kind of hate it. I'd want to slide back a few and see if he's still there. It's um so between 18 and 36, somewhere in that area. Yeah, I would take him. I, I mean, I would. It would depend on what Miami does with that top pick. Um, I, I would, but that that's that range where I like guys like Kadarius Toney. Um, I, I, I Carlos Basham. Max, yeah, it, uh, yeah. Basham. And none of the, like, would I take him at 18 or, or 18 to 36? Or would I come away with Kadarius Tony, Boogie Basham, and Chaz Surratt later on? Like it's just it's a no brainer for me at that point. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 there with you. Um, have we been saying Michael Bolton or have we been saying Nick Bolton? Uh, we've been saying Nick Bolton, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. No, Somebody, don't, see, see this, don't, this is why I don't, don't look at let the chat. don't let him get to you. Don't let him get to you. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and we're talking about uh, uh, in the chat there. So um, uh, somebody else, uh, too, uh, T-Mac here, in the, in the route the Dolphins go down, one guy that could be interesting is Tyler Shelvin from LSU. This is a massive guy. He's six foot four, 360 pounds. He opted out this past year, um, and, and anybody who opts out, you know, they're going to be questioned about it. They're going to ask, was this really for health reasons or did you just want a year off of football? And when you're a massive dude, that's 360 pounds and you've had some weight problems that could be asked of you. But if you want a guy that you can just plug in there and eat up a bunch of blocks, Tyler Shelvin may, may be your guy and you may be able to get him in the fourth round. I like to use the word eat with Tyler Shelvin, uh, <laughs> who, who, who just took a year off to get even bigger. Um, 
No, he he's a guy that when I do mocks, I end up grabbing him a hell of a lot more than I care to admit. Uh, he is an absolute plugger, but a, it would have to be in the right situation. And part of that for me is the fact that not I know I mentioned Kadarius Tony already, but there's guys that are going to be there in the same range that you're going to see Tyler Shelvin go. Um, guys like Quinn Miners, guys like uh, Josh Myers, guys like Jalen Darden, guys like Nico Collins, you know, and guys that I think are going to do a lot more for this team. And don't forget, we've still got we've still got Benito Jones, and we've still got um, I can't think of the guy's name who's on that weird developmental international contract out of Brazil. Um, yeah, I I know who you're talking about, and I can't. I, the 350 yeah. pounder that does backflips. Uh, yes, yeah, I I know who you're talking about. Uh, I, we'll we'll get his name here. Um, but and if all you're yeah. looking for a fat guy that doesn't get pushed out of the way, I, I'd rather have a Quinn Miners, who's a fat guy who just absolutely mauls people. Yeah, I I uh, as you know, going back to Shelvin, you know, if 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 he's available in the fourth round, the, the big question then becomes: Do you want another guy like that? Because the Dolphins are are likely going to let Davin Gotcha walk. I'd be surprised mm-hmm. if he came back because he. He could probably get a starting opportunity somewhere else. Um, and I think the Dolphins may want, as their fourth rotational defensive tackle after Raekwon, um, uh, Christian Wilkins, and Sealer, I think they may want somebody with that can get to the quarterback and into the backfield a little bit more. Um, so maybe they look at at somebody like um, Osa Adigizua from UCLA who had a great senior bowl week 6 foot 2 280 pounds more of that inside outside pass rusher that can get to the quarterback a little bit more so it i do think they'll add a defensive tackle somewhere probably in the draft probably on day day 3 um and 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 it, it'll be interesting to see which route they go on that yeah, I mean, it, it could very well be a situation where they don't even add him on day three. I mean, you've got guys that are so far down the list, like LeBron Ray, who is a guy that I know we've looked at before. That That's, that's what, 16th, 17th on, on, on most draft boards out there at defensive tackle. So he may well be an undrafted free agent. It's And if you're just looking for that fat guy role, guess what? You can probably find somebody from a school nobody heard of that's about 400 pounds that's plugged in the middle of some defense somewhere that you bring in and see if he can beat out Benito, see if he can beat out one of these other guys. So Yeah, yeah, Benito Jones is going to have a chance to make the roster again here and, you know, didn't make a lot of plays when he was on the field, but, you know, kind of looks the part. I was still surprised he wasn't drafted last year. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, building depth on the, the defensive line is going to be important. Um so I, I, I don't see the Dolphins making a big splash signing in free agency. I know uh, um, Dave Hyde wrote an article about Leonard Williams, and um, but I, I don't see the Dolphins, and I don't think it'd be smart to spend $13, 14000000 million a year on an interior defensive lineman. I don't either, and it's it's you know you're you're bringing up something that I'm trying to stay off a of soapbox on with. Um, our, 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 our beat writers lately. Um, you yeah. Know. D- yeah. Let's, let's, let's buy. No, I that. know uh, it's, it, it's, I, there's a lot of fans that, that are drooling all over um, a lot of free agents as they pop up and I get it. Uh, but don't let the beat writers lead you astray is all I will say based on them seeing what you want to hear. Um it's and that's all I'm gonna say on that topic. Um, now, as far as spending money, I don't see them basically spending money on anybody out there in free agency at defensive tackle, not just at the top end. Um, I think it's draft and develop time behind you know your 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 big two there. I think we're gonna see, as I said before, Strobridge potentially kick inside a little bit on passing downs, and then you're just trying to develop that run plugger and. Um, now, looking at defensive end, I don't see Miami spending big money at defensive end, but I could see Miami looking down the list to the point where, you know, you look at a Carl Lawson, who is an ascending player that whose stat sheet is not as packed as it could be. 
You know, you look at a Kyler Fackrell, who Miami's been linked to on and off for a few off seasons now. Um, you know, as guys that can come in and contribute. I will not look at Taco Charlton. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is it is reasonably deep at at uh, at edge. I I don't see the Dolphins spending really any money in free agency on edge. <clears throat> um, Lawson is probably even though he's kind of far down this list. He's probably going to get paid a lot because he's 26 uh, and he was the Bengals best pass rusher. Not saying much, but he was their best pass rusher last year. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think they would go the draft route if, if they were to do that and find find that that replacement for either Agba or Lawson in a couple off seasons. And I think they go. I, I'd be surprised if they signed anybody over, let's say, five, six million a year uh, in free agency, even one guy, because. You know, on this defense, you've got Ogba, Lawson, Van Noy, Xavier, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain, all making, you know, what, six million a year or more. So I think it's it's important to get younger, inexpensive talent with with uh, with these draft picks in there. Yeah. And, and, and actually, M. Black just brought this up in our chat here. Um there are going to be a lot more cuts than expected out there because of the reduced cap that nobody saw coming. Um, so there could be some bargain basement deals on some decent players this year, but I think a lot of those are going to be ones that end up being a one year, get to the expanded free agency next year type deal. Yes. Um, and we've already seen some of those guys get cut. The Falcons, uh, released Ricardo Allen, um, the, the safety and, uh, the the Panthers released Stephen Weatherly, which he he could be a Dolphins fit um, as kind of a rotational defensive end. And also, too, if you sign one of those guys that were cut, as a lot of people know, it doesn't count against the compensatory formula. So <clears throat> I expect uh, that's why I want the Dolphins to keep their money in their pocket in free agency, re-sign their own guys, and get one wide receiver. Um, and we, we talked about that in our other show, because if we do that and then you let guys like Vince Beagle, Davin Gotcha walk, you may get a, you may get a couple of compensatory six or seventh rounders here next year. It's possible. I mean, and we all know Chris Greer knows how to play that formula like a champ, uh, as far as the compensatory goes. Um, but yeah, it's, I would have my eyes out if the right player were to shake loose at the right deal. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm not sacrificing long-term development for a one year. If it comes down to it, one player switching positions here, um, that I would love to get on a one-year prove it contract is Colt safety Malik Hooker. And this is a former first round pick who got hurt last year, but the year before that, I believe he had four interceptions. He's somebody that if, if you can get him and he can stay healthy for you, you've got a young player who can make some plays back there and is only 25 years old. And if he wants to come here for a one-year prove-it contract, what better place to do that than in Miami playing in a secondary with Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Eric Rowe, and Bobby McCain? Yeah, I mean, it's Malik Hooker's a guy that, you know, we had Ian Wharton on a few years ago when when Malik was coming out in the draft, and I remember him talking up Malik's skill set to the point where I would still consider kicking the tires just because of the respect I have for for Ian's opinions, not only as far as players go, but as far as secondary goes, which is I know one of his biggest biggest claims to fame is, is his ability to analyze secondary players. I, I definitely kick the tires on Hooker. I, I don't think he's going to be cheap, um, but I don't think he's going to be as expensive as he could be. Uh, if he wants to come in and prove it, I'm all for it. Yeah, and the Dolphins had a similar situation uh, several years ago when they signed Brent Grimes. Um, you know, they signed Brent Grimes for very, very cheap. And the reason for that is he was injured basically the entire season, two of the previous three years before joining the Dolphins. Dolphins get him. He plays 16 games a year. He's a Pro Bowl cornerback. All the other stuff that happened, we don't have to get into. But um that's the kind of steal that the Dolphins should be looking for here in free agency. Um, you know, another guy that I was talking about last offseason um, that I wanted to sign for under similar circumstances is a cornerback Jason Verrett for the 49ers. Um, and he signs with the 49ers very cheap, actually stays healthy this year and plays pretty well for him. So 
you could get a pretty big return on investment with somebody there like Malik Hooker. And I think the Dolphins would probably go that route as opposed to going down the route of like a Justin Simmons or a Marcus Williams who are, who are going to be, who are going to be a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, for me at the most part, or for the most part, I, I, I do want to take a safety in the draft. We all know who I'm staring firmly at, even as we speak, looking at his name, um, Richie Grant, and I know I've talked about him a little bit, is, is a guy that I would target with Miami even as high as the second round just because I think the elements that he could add to this defense at all, really at all three levels, uh, he, he's basically a better, more athletic Bobby McCain. Um, and, and he's a guy that I think could eventually unseat Bobby for, for that full role that Bobby runs on this defense. And, and, and that's the point where I start to see maybe you know, moving Bobby around makes a lot of sense even more. Uh, just just because of what I think Richie can be with this defense. Like, it's, I know everybody wants to go all offense. Miami is going to not be a great team next year if they don't focus a little bit, at least surgically, on the defense. And everything I've seen from Richie Grant is that he, he is a very smart player, too. And that's mm-hmm. going to appeal, obviously, to anyone, but very specifically Brian Flores and Josh Boyer. Um, and, and look, Bobby McCain too is I don't, I don't want to cut him this year, but next year could be another conversation. I mean, in 2021, uh, this is going to be Bobby McCain's seventh year with the Dolphins, believe it or not. And, you know, is this somebody that's going to be the Dolphins free safety in 2024, 2025? Probably not, you know, so they, they have to start developing um, that, uh, the, the back of that secondary there. Uh Two players that I think will be appealing to are, are the top two safeties consensusly on the board. That's uh, Trevon Morig from TCU, who I absolutely love, and Javon Holland from Oregon. Now, Javon Holland um, from, from Oregon, kind of more that Brandon Jones type of player. Not great speed, but in outstanding intelligence, great playmaker, and I don't know if he can play that single single high free safety role. Morig is more of a strong safety type too, but where I disagree with a lot of people is I, I think he can. I think he does have the physical skills to to be that single high free safety. So Jerron Morig is somebody that after you get past the, the first 10 or 15 players in the draft, he's way high on my list. Yeah, and I don't know, for me, I do like Morig, but I, I just think he's going to go in an area where I'm not ready to take a safety. And I think if you can get a Richie Grant, you're you're getting probably the guy that's going to turn out to be the best safety in this draft when all is said and done. Uh, yeah, if, if you've got Morig and Richie Grant close, then yeah. obviously you're going to want to take Grant at 50 as opposed to Morig at 18. And, and in all honesty, as far as long-term goes, I've got Grant ahead of Morig. Um, it, it's... The right now, you know, he, he's he's behind him on the list. But as far as my for the Dolphins for the long-term list, I've got Richie as who I think is going to end up being the best safety to come out of this class, and it's not even close. And I had him there when he was a fifth-rounder. Um, it's just – and you remember me talking about him last year when we thought he was coming out for, for last year's draft. Uh, it, it's – Yeah. He, he just continues to improve – and not only is he athletically gifted and smart, just his play style and the things that I've seen him do, he is probably the most prepared to slide into this Josh Boyer defense, period. It could it very well could be. And he also had a great senior bowl week too. And I put a lot of stock into that. When you, when your film looks good, you test out athletically, and then you go down to senior bowl week and you go against the best and the best, uh, in NCAA and you have a great week and you're consistent from day to day. Yeah, that, that means something. And, and Richie Grant is consistent from play to play. That's something also that's going to appeal uh, to the Dolphins brain trust here. So yeah, we've, we covered a lot here, Paul. We, we talked about, we jumped a lot um, at, at a lot of different positions. Um, I see a lot of depth too. finally at, um, at Nickelback uh, in, in, in free agency. Uh, if they have the opportunity to get somebody like Troy Hill from the Rams, um, like Desmond King from the Titans, like Brian Poole from the Jets, 
for a reasonable price, I'm talking kind of in that three to five million a year range. I think you could get a player that plays 60% of your defensive snaps, improves your situation from Nick Needham and allows Noah Igbenogany to continue to be brought along slowly. So yeah, that nickelback is a spot on this defense. I'm going to keep going back to because I'm scarred by what I saw in week 17 against the bills where Isaiah McKenzie, who's not even a great player destroyed Nick Needham. Yeah. I mean, Nick was up and down. He definitely had a better year overall than he has in the past, but I mean, he did not do anything that, that puts him into any form of a lock conversation. I mean, as, as far as free agency goes, I I mean, it's kind of funny because I end up jumping up and down the list. Kevin King's the guy I'd kick the tires on. Um, I, I flirt with the idea of Gary and Conley, but he just isn't a guy that's that's shown anything that had his high draft stock a couple years ago. An interesting one for me, and it goes against a lot of things that that folks will, will, will believe in here, but at least for depth, is I would flirt with the idea of Bleedy Ray Wilson. Uh, I know he's another UConn guy, but he and byron jones came out together he and byron jones communicate well in that secondary and he could be somebody that steps into a role not not a full-time role but he's a lot more athletically gifted than given credit for and if he's not asked to be the guy at corner he may be a guy that contributes a hell of a lot and 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 pairs very well with byron and x yeah i forgot bleedy ray wilson and byron jones played together uh and at, at uconn there so yeah, and you know, you mentioned two guys, Bleedy Ray Wilson and Kevin King. I personally, I think they're gonna they they'd stay away from that type of cornerback because I, I think they view Noah Igbenogany as a boundary guy, and Bleedy Ray Wilson and Kevin King with their size, you know, both six foot one, mm-hmm. probably gonna stay on the outside too. That's why I, I kind of lean a little bit more toward those those you know undersized nickelbacks. But Ray Wilson would certainly provide a lot of depth. Um, uh, too. I mean, he really in the, in the Falcons secondary, he was the only one making plays last year. Yeah. No. I mean, and and again, it's it's you know, Bleedy's thirty one. Uh, he he's not going to be any type of long term answer there. Uh, it's it's just somebody I, I would consider kicking the tires on for depth while some of these guys develop. Um, outside of that, looking at some of the draft prospects, it, it's amazing to me how far Paulson Adebo has slid. He was a guy that that really was projected a lot higher just a couple months ago. So he's a guy out of Stanford that I kicked the tires on. Ify Melifonwu, I'm going to stand on this hill, and you're not going to knock me off it. He looks the part. Yes, he's probably more of a boundary guy, but he may be a guy that kicks Igbenogany inside or the two of them develop as the eventual replacements to Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Um We'll see, but he's he's definitely a guy. He's got all the physical tools, and, and really just looks better and better as, as time wears on. Um, outside of that, there there aren't a huge number of late round guys that that I'm. Oh my god, we need to go after. I know you've mentioned DJ Daniels. Um, maybe God, I wish Shakur Brown had a little more size, but maybe he can come in and be that nickel. Yeah, and, and also too, what Bears watching is um, these cornerbacks. It'll be fascinating to see if Brian Flores attaches to one of them uh, and uh, one of these cornerbacks and wants to kick him to safety because Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe were cornerbacks, yep. you know, coming out of college, they didn't play safety, but they were a step slow for the position. They move them inside to safety. Okay. They can, they can get the job done there and they have more than enough speed. So yeah. Uh, uh, Melifonwu. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, again, I think he's more of a boundary guy, but, I mean, if we're, if, if he's somebody that slips down to, you know, early day three, late day two, may, maybe that'd be good value there. And maybe he can, he certainly at six three two ten has the size to play some safety. So that's, that's certainly, he's certainly going to be a fascinating one as, as we go along. Paulson Adebo. Uh, yeah. He's fallen big time. And again, this is why you, you get out of college as soon as you can, because uh, his stock has continued and continued and continued to fall. Um, I think he's more of a zone guy. He's not fast and he's not big. Um, so I don't know if he'd be a great fit in this defense here, but there, there are definitely a lot of quarterbacks that are out there. So Paul, anything else that, that kind of jumps out at you here? Um, um, I did have somebody ask in the chat a little bit earlier and I apologize. I think it was, uh, I can't remember exactly who it was, but they asked about, and this isn't a defensive question, 
But Deshaun Jackson getting cut, um, would you kick the tires on a short-term contract with Deshaun Jackson? Um, it depends for how much. Uh, I'm not against it. I mean, I still think the guy can run. Uh, he, he and Sammy Watkins um, are two players that first two or three weeks of the NFL season, they are just phenomenal. And then they get hurt and they disappear. But if you're talking about somebody, Hey, we just, we, we just need somebody that can get open. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against it. I, I wouldn't mind running him for a year. All right. It was scummy that asked. I thought so. I almost gave you credit for it, but I, uh, I'd be good with the idea. I mean, he, he's not going to be your, your entire route tree receiver, which is fine. Uh, but he is somebody that still has the ability to take the top off a of defense. And if you can utilize him the right way, I think he could be a good fit. But it's all going to depend on what you do at wide receiver in the draft. And unfortunately, the Deshaun Jackson thing is going to be before that. So I, I'd flirt with it, but I wouldn't give a heck of a lot of guaranteed money. No, definitely not. I, I think it would be a it would be a one-year, couple of million-dollar situation. And again, wouldn't cost – against the compensatory formula, if that matters to anybody. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's really gonna, uh, just about do it here. Uh, one, you know, one off topic thing too, is what'd you think about the Carson Wentz trade? Uh, I think two teams got worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, um, I mean, Carson Wentz by all reports felt so threatened that there was no possibility that Philly could even try to get Nick Foles back because Carson Wentz felt so threatened by Nick Foles. So you can't bring in Carson Wentz and even even look at bringing in anybody other than a late-round rookie, and he's probably going to waterboard him in the middle of the night and, and try to keep... <laughs> I just... It's... By, I hate when I hear about these quarterbacks that are so threatened and fragilely egoed and that... Yeah. It's disgusting. The things I hear about Carson Wentz and his fragile ego, and, and you name it, he's not going to work out well in, in, in Indianapolis with that. And now, you know, the Eagles got nothing in return unless Carson Wentz turns into a superstar, which he's not going to. So, yeah. I, I, and, and the thing is, too, like, I understood when Aaron Rodgers was upset that they drafted Jordan Love. And the reason for that is because Aaron Rodgers is an MVP caliber player. Uh, so he's like, we've got all these receivers on the board and you take a quarterback. Like I'm right here. I think he's earned the right to feel that way. Carson Wentz was the worst quarterback in the league last year. How, how that's hilarious that he'd be like, okay, listen, Eagles, you're going to have the worst quarterback in the league again this year. And you're not going to do anything about it. Who's this guy think he is? I will root for his failure. I'm not going to lie. Um, and, and as far as uh, the compensation, basically, if you want to know why they got so much, uh, the Eagles got a third round pick and a second round pick that can turn into a first if he plays 75% of his snaps. Um, the, the reason for that is because basically the Eagles were willing to pay 33 million of his guaranteed money. So that that's why that deal got done. So they just wanted to wipe their hands clean. And I don't blame him. But then again, Carson Wentz is going to play behind probably the best offensive line in the league. He he is, but he's going to piss them off. That's that's the best part of this. Like there is no part of me that thinks that that second is going to turn into a first. No no part. It, it's I just you think you think Jacob Eason's going to get to unseat him. I think it's highly possible unless Carson Wentz manages to chase Eason out of town. In which case, I would take him as a backup to Tua. Like it's it's just it's funny to me because it's basically two teams guaranteeing that they don't make the playoffs next year. He look, I I know the Eagles basically had, um, basically had the roster, uh, on offense completely stripped from them. They had so many injuries, but you've got to play quarterback better than that. And he was so bad. He he almost had more interceptions than touchdowns, which is unheard of from a starting quarterback. Completed fifty seven percent of his passes. And in 12 and a half games, he, he, he didn't even have 3000 yards passing. So I, the nerve of this guy. Um, so I, I do hope he makes the Colts worse. I, I, 
if, if, if the rumors there are true that he was basically ripping apart the locker room. So anyway, just wanted to get your thought on that. Um, so we should, you know, we should see the dolphins add some defensive players here in the draft and free agency more likely um, more so in the draft. And that's going to do it here for our breakdown for the defensive side of the ball for the Miami dolphins. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, uh, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, uh, and Spotify. We're also now, the go-to in our partnership here with uh, Finn Fanatic, as well as the fan-sided network too. I'll go get a little bit smoother in that delivery because it's still pretty new, new to us here. Um, and that'll do it. If it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Finn side. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save.